Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, when is it my turn to play? We talked to Jason Schreier from the video game podcast Triple Click about gaming while adulting. Plus, Biz got it. Woo! Kind of a quiet check-in because the baby Woo. is napping. Toddler, I guess toddler's napping. She's almost two. Content warning. Puke warning. <laughs> Today, I mom leveled up because I caught puke and like real puke, not just. Not just um, <laughs> like breast milk, but no puke in my hand. Ah. So that happened. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I've been able to just kind of keep it chill, and my kid is not upset about the fact that she's been puking, and she's been really, like, great about communicating when she's going to puke, which is nice. So, yeah, I, I might actually be able to get some more work from home done this afternoon. So I don't know about you, but I'm killing it. Yeah, I do know about you. You are also killing it. You are doing a great job. <sighs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Next level. <laughs> How appropriate for a show in which we're going to talk about video gaming today. First off, you are doing a great job. I just want you to know, catching puke, and thank you for clarifying what type of puke, Catching puke in your hand or hands is definitely on the high end of things that you might do when kids get in your house and no one tells you that. Like that's on the list of pooping in the tub, not you, but your kids, but maybe you, that's okay. Our bodies all are different if we push a kid out or (laughs) if a kid wound up in your house and you're just like, Fuck it. I'm too tired. I'm just going to poop in this tub. That's fine, too. Anyway, no judgment here. The point is, you can't really tell anybody that. I mean, you just can't. There, I mean, you can, but people are going to be like, that's fucking disgusting. Unless it is another parent who is honest. And then they will say, me too. <laughs> or, wow. And then they'll high five you because they aren't afraid of your hands. They know they're clean. They'll high five that hand. That's right. You are doing an excellent job. And this is the place that we can all hold these very odd moments in our lives for and with you. You're amazing. How am I? Well, I'm here. Chug, chug, chug. Chug, chug, chug. Little train. Chug, chug, chug. Choo, choo, choo. I'm all right. Uh, Mama is still doing well. In the grand scheme of of dying, I cannot think of a different way to put it, but I mean, you know, I don't know. And we have the most wonderful, the people who, hospice workers, are next level amazing. And we have the most amazing team. And I think and what's interesting is I think what is something most of us might be able to relate to, especially as parents of having kids in our house, that like sense of putting others before you, in particular your kids' needs, and then you get to this stage in your life where you really need to put yourself first. And if if you haven't been practicing that most of your life or been given the space to practice that, It is hard. And so it is such a gift to watch our hospice team help Mama understand that she deserves the kindness, that she deserves pain management, that, you know, she doesn't have to wait till it gets bad. She, She can treat it now. And... It is also a lesson for me. So, I, you know, I just thank you. If you are out there and you work in hospice, thank you. you. You're fucking amazing. Additionally, what is it that I thought I got? 
why am I talking about I got it? I was like, I got it. What was it? <laughs> Guys, when I wrote this opening for the show, the This Week on One Bed Mother, I said, plus Biz got it. Now, I, I wrote that 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes ago, and I have no idea what it is that I was referring to. I don't know what I got. I have not, <laughs> didn't get a cold. I'm all right. I didn't get a new car. I didn't get kicked in the knee. So there you go. That is, I got it. I got, I got it. Well, whatever it is that I got, I hope I enjoyed it. <laughs> I know what I need. I need a little bit of playtime on my Switch with my new Rabbids Spark of Hope video game, which is a delight. Lots of little puzzles to solve. And I think that ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today with our guest, video gaming journalist, Jason Schreier. So stick around for that. Hey, let us guess. You love books, but wish you had more time to read. Or maybe you used to read a lot, but life has gotten in the way, kids, grad school, you name it. Maybe you don't know where to start and bookish social media is overwhelming. How do people on TikTok read so many books? Oh my God, I don't know. And maybe you've been reading the same book for six months and now it's permanently attached to your bedside table. Maybe you don't even know what you like to read anymore. We're reading glasses and don't worry, we got you. We'll get you back into reading and help you enjoy books again. Reading Glasses, every week on Maximum Fun. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. All right, I am so excited to be welcoming Jason Schreier, who is a reporter at Bloomberg News, where he covers the video game industry. He's also a co-host of the video game podcast here at Maximum Fun, Triple Click, and the New York Times bestselling author of books, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and Press Reset. Welcome, Jason. Welcome, Jason. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Jason, before we get started, I would like to know who lives in your house. Okay, so it's in my house, we have me, we have my lovely wife, and our two children. And if I sound like I have a cold right now, it's because of those little uh, little bundles of love. I have a three, almost three and a half year old, and a five month old. Yeah. And the three and a half year old just started going to daycare in September and has been just bringing home one cocktail of viruses after another. Yep. Plague Town. Congratulations. Also, that is uh, that's a lot of youth in your house. So you could blame the sound like that you sound like you have a cold, but it could also be serious fatigue and a complete breakdown of self. So am I... <laughs> that also part all of above. it. <laughs> all the above. Can I ask, how are you doing, Jason? I'm doing okay. I'm recovering from said cold, sure, which is just kind of passed around. So my daughter brought it home from daycare, and then she passed it around to my wife, and then she passed it around to my son, and then to me. And yeah. it's just like a ping pong of viruses up in here. But other than that, we're doing just fine. Oh. <laughs> other than disease and the plague, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> plague aside, diseases aside, we're doing A-OK. -okay. <laughs> All right. So your main focus of your journalism is video games. And I, I really enjoy the video games. And I could derail us into my 20s with Legend of Zelda and like smoking lots of things and waiting tables and being up all night playing it. Anyway, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to talk about we got, I will give you a little brief background on our video game scenario in our house, which is we had none once we moved. We used to have it all when Stefan and I were young and carefree. 
without children. I mean, we were garage band. We were like, God, like, I mean, it was, uh. and then we had children and we moved and we did not bring the video games out again. And we did not get video games back into the house until the Switch came out. And then we were first of the line Switch buyers with, you know, Legend of Zelda, with the, you know, Rabbids, with all these cute, adorable, great fun games. Our kids were eight and, I don't know, four, five, I don't know, something like that, whatever the math is. We hadn't done any online gaming with that. I mean, they were doing like Animal Jam and stuff like that, which is like a math-based online video game. But we hadn't, and not because we were anti-video game for our children. It was because I knew that when that device got into our house, I would start playing and spend more hours than I want to be told I'm playing. I, I, and I did. I did. I was like this. Yay. <laughs> yes. And the kids are like, did you see how many hours you've played this year? And I'm like, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I say all of this because when I am talking to other parents or friends and I say, I love video games. I have a feeling that the language I'm learning, the language around that is very vague. What I consider a video game is like off the top of my head, is not what lots of other people are playing and vice versa. Can you talk to me about where you've seen this come up, if what I'm saying sounds like a thing you've heard, and where you think language could be improved around gaming. And I guess, do you even like video games? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, well, there's a loaded question. No, mm-hmm. I hate them. I mean, so the 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 premise of asking someone like, or saying to someone, I like video games, or asking someone, do you like video games, is if you think about it, kind of a silly question. Like, would yeah. you ask someone like, hey, do you like TV shows? <laughs> like, would you ever ask someone like, hey, do you, do you watch movies? Do you read books like it's so it's such a all-encompassing term and I think the the struggle with language there is that like if you say to someone do you like video games they could be imagining a kid playing Call of Duty or they could be imagining playing Candy Crush on the subway on the way to work and right. everything in between so it's kind of a silly premise and I think it's it's always helpful with these things to be a little bit more specific and and talk about what kind of games people are into, what kind of consoles or systems they might have, where they like to play games. I think that can always be a more interesting conversation and that's when you can get into the question of like the Zeldas and the Minecrafts of the world. I actually, I just, we had new neighbors move in across the street and they have kids around the same age as us and so we, we met them, we've hung out a few times and I was telling the husband what I do and he was like, oh, I'm not a big gamer, but I played 100 hours of Zelda on the Switch. And I was like, 100 <laughs> hours? And you say you're not a big gamer? Not a gamer? Like, what are you talking about here? <laughs> yeah, right? So it's like, I think, I think the language there is so... Well, the word gamer is so loaded and so horrible. We at Triple Click we talk about how we refuse to call ourselves capital G gamers, like we refuse to <laughs> identify with with gamer culture because it's so gross in so many ways. I like to think of it as like really everyone plays games, and the question is, what kind of games do they play? Well, you just touched on a thing: the gaming culture, right? Like there is, and I know that this is this is true with lots of other areas and genres out there but gaming see gaming culture and the ickiness that you just spoke of related to gaming culture capital g gamers to me as a you know average person in the world who you know listens to npr and shit makes me think like okay this is the like gamer gate this is the we hate women this is like 12 year old boys calling people Bitches, this is like, this is really toxic, gross stuff that I don't associate with like a problem solving game or like, a, you know, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I don't go online and play Zelda or Rabbids, for example. Perhaps if I was doing Rabbids Spark of Hope online or something, people might call me a horrible name, but I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I, it. I think it's more the, <laughs> the Call of Duties of the world. But I've got to imagine. <laughs> yeah, Call of Duty. But I got to imagine. <laughs> I got friends whose kids play Call of Duty, right? And this is a yeah. judgment-free show. So, like, how as a journalist, because you have 
interviewed, you've seen, you've explored this in your work. And I know from my work that not all things are just black and white. So I don't want a parent who's like, ooh, my kid's been playing 100 hours of Call of Duty this week to suddenly feel like, oh, shit, I've lost all control in my house, right? I don't want to say gaming culture is like a sweeping stereotype either. So let me let me chime yeah. in here because I think what you're getting at is this is is something that isn't uh, limited to games. Right. I mean, if a kid wants to kind of get their id out, and I've been there, I've been a teenage <laughs> boy, I've been someone who good. like who like wants to just like I don't know, just like get anger out on the internet in some way or another, and uh, so there's some more healthy ways of doing it than others. <laughs> But but the the point being that like if a teenage boy is is being angry on the internet, then we'll find a way to do it, whether it's through Call of Duty or somewhere else. And I think the way to approach gaming, if you are a parent with a kid who is anywhere from I don't know eight to to sixteen and is like starting to explore playing games online with their friends or with strangers and stuff, the way to approach it is the way you'd approach any of their mm. other internet or social habits, which is supervision and moderation and talking them through with things and telling them how to stay safe and, and stay in safe spaces and telling them what not to do and how to behave themselves. Especially these days, I think one of the most important lessons that a parent can impart is that everything on the internet is permanent and that things will come back to haunt them, whether or not they think they're bulletproof right now. Easier said right. than done, but still. And I think all of that stuff, it has something to do with games, right? Like whether right. they're posting on TikTok um, or in Call of Duty, it's the same premise. It's the same, like you want to find your friends, find your community and stay away from people who are just shitty and toxic. <laughs> I think the bigger, the far bigger issue, the thing that I would, I'm going to be far more worried about when my kids are, are a little bit older is the YouTube rabbit hole that you can go down and the conspiracy theories and the Andrew Tates of the world and that that whole sphere. And that, that's been, I think, part of what Gamergate was, was a lot of intersection between that and the gaming world and that the same types of people who are kind of like the men's rights activists and alt-right right. kind of YouTubers and pundits of the world were appealing to the gamers by being like, look, the feminists, the social justice warriors ruined your favorite video games. <laughs> But it's all it's all it's all in the same space. It's all the same world like, in the same sphere of playing. like that's no, no joke. It's it's well, it's a little more insidious oh, than know. that actually. The the whole <laughs> it, because it was more about people who work on mm. games, and so the whole all of Gamergate essentially was based on this premise that radical feminists, progressive feminists and progressive people are ruining the video game industry by making games that aren't as good anymore and are too like aren't appealing to white men anymore, or appealing to feminists and are spending too much time censoring titties or whatever. And that that's the whole concept <laughs> of gamer. There's not enough really. raping in this game. I don't understand. Yeah, and it's <laughs> There's a, a straight yeah. line to draw between Gamergate and like the rise of of all sorts of alt right cultures and hardcore Trump communities and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. But the, the the main point I'm making is just that like with games, you just need to think of them as online communities and treat your kid playing Call of Duty in the same way that you would treat your kid going online and watching YouTube videos. And I think actually something that scares me a little bit is that a lot of parents maybe spend too much time thinking worrying about the Call of Duty part yeah. of that and not enough time caring or thinking about what is being watched on YouTube. And that's where the real poison can seep in. It is not just anti-women. It's, it's very racist. There's so much casualness because I would assume it's because there's a feeling of being anonymous at the same time, making it very easy to say stuff because no one's eyeballing you. Is that, am I right? <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, uh, it's so funny. I used to think that anonymity was like the yeah. biggest the biggest driver of toxicity, but I used to work for a gaming site called Kotaku that was part of Gawker Media. And actually something I learned circa 2013 or 2014 was that the people with the most vile comments were actually on Facebook using their real names. So uh, anonymity Fair. wasn't even wasn't even the the biggest factor. No, but it's true. It's <laughs> like if you're on on Call of Duty, you're on whatever, you're you're on the internet. You can you can definitely use anonymity as a mask to just kind of like get your 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 it out, get your awful urges out, even if you don't mean them. And it can just cause oh, so yeah. many problems for all sorts of reasons. I mean, it's really unhealthy. It's really something that a lot of parents need to talk to their teens 
about and be like, look, uh, I understand that you you want to get you want to like get some feelings out, get some aggression out, whatever. Let's find a way to do that that's healthy that doesn't have a negative impact on other people. That's that I think is really important. I know I agree. I know that for me, video gaming, or I'm sorry, I know that for me, the games that I play, which tend to be strategy based games, see, I'm learning already. Strategy based or open ended kind of games are definitely a chance to step out, right? To take a break from, you know, oh, look, this is a problem I can solve. It's like jigsaw puzzles for me. Here's a problem I can solve, and then it's done. I did it because nothing else in my life is that easy to solve. So, yeah, I think having ways to talk to your kids and yourself, because I got to have this conversation with myself a lot, too, of have I crossed the line into this is possibly too much? Am I getting any Mm. benefit out of this? Or is it midnight? Yeah, I mean, I think something else you're getting at that I think is important to look at is like, there are some games that are designed to appeal to you forever to make you play as long as humanly possible. They don't end They're multi often they're multiplayer games, or they're kind of never ending phone games. And, and the goal is just like, usually it's just kind of time wasting or, or it could be a social space to hang out with your friends there, there could be a, a few different goals. And then there are types of games that are meant to be finished and be done with like what you're describing which are a different type of game and a different type of experience and i think one is a little bit more akin to i don't know watching a live show that never ends watching snl every week watching some show that doesn't stop versus watching a complete series that you're like okay now i'm done with that maybe i'll revisit it one day but it's over and i think both types of games can have can can be meaningful and have a lot of cool stuff a lot of advantages to play But I think making sure that your kids aren't too hooked on the former type of game and making sure that they're not staying up until 2 a.m. I mean, I would rather, when my kids are old enough to play games, if they're going to stay up until 2 a.m. playing a game, I would rather it be a game that can be finished, that can be completed, because then it's like, okay, you you binged it, great, you're done with it, let's move on. (laughs) If they're up to 2 a.m. playing Fortnite with their friends, and that's the type of thing that can be a repeatable habit, and then it becomes a problem. I think as opposed to something where it's like a one-time thing it's like binging the last season of Lost until 5am one time versus (laughs) binging like I don't know on uh, reality TV that doesn't end or whatever like like, so afraid don't stop (laughs) yeah but it's not even it's it's more the concept that TV isn't the best analogy because TV always ends like these games just do not end and that's what makes them so addictive. I mean, there's a reason people used to call Blizzard's World of Warcraft World of War Crack because it's this big mm. online virtual world that you just could spend 24 hours a day in if you could. And there, there's some horror stories that I've heard over the years from people in Asia who went to these like big cafes where they they have games set up and just played so long that they like died at their desks like there there are a couple of stories out there of that of like people who just like like we're sitting there so long this is extreme it's only happened a couple of times but that is extreme everybody take that story and let's manipulate it and really blow it out of control that games are killing people in cafes games are killing people (laughs) all right of all the articles you've written okay about the video gaming industry Is there anything that you found the most either like eye-opening or most challenging? Has has your work altered how you feel about gaming? Yeah, well, so one of my areas of expertise, one of the kind of the beats that I cover most extensively is labor in games and the way that the workers behind these games are treated and what they have to go through to actually make the games. That's what both of my books so far are about. And it's what I've written about a lot over the years. And that's certainly given me new perspective on like playing these things because I know how much work it takes to actually make them and and the conditions that they're made under. It's also given me all sorts of perspectives and thoughts on unionization and workers organizing in the video game industry and all sorts of other issues. So that obviously we've been talking more about like playing the games and kids playing the games and the culture around it. But the behind the scenes labor issues are a whole nother can of worms that I have been kind of focusing a a lot on over the years. Well, and has that impacted how you 
what you play. Um, I wouldn't say it's impacted what I play. It's definitely impacted the way that I might think about games and the way that I might, I don't know, play something and be like, oh, wow, this is this looks really good. This is really beautiful. These graphics. I wonder how many man hours it took to just like come up with this. I wonder how many people were like not seeing their kids staying late at work to actually finish this, which is an unfortunate thing. I do try to separate the two when I'm playing the games. But yeah, it's that that that's how it's had the biggest impact. But I do still try to to answer one of your first questions. I do play as much as possible. And one of the reasons for that is because it helps me do my job. It helps me be able be be equipped yeah. to talk to people and understand what they're saying and understand what they do all day by playing as many games as possible and just kind of knowing what they're doing. That's funny. My husband is a themed entertainment, theme park experience designer. So when he shifted into that career several years ago, I I remember saying to him, well, you've done it. You have gotten the perfect job for 12-year-old Stefan, right? Like (laughs) sometimes there are perks, like I had to go to all these theme parks. He has to go travel and try all these different like ride styles out. And then there are the downsides of like having to watch the entire Shrek series so he can write or Chipmunk (laughs) series so he can write things, you know, based on that. So your partner, your spouse, your wife, how do they, look, I'm asking this question. It's a little loaded because when I had, we had very little children in my house, uh, in my house, you like that? When we had very little children in our house and I was a haggard and broken mess, there were times I got a little resentful when Stefan had to go and watch a movie or had to do, right? Like, it was like, how dare you enjoy a magazine? <laughs> you know, you get, we had to work through some stuff during that time. You and my wife would yeah. have a lot to talk about. I'll, I'll recommend some episodes for her. Uh, but I got to imagine how, like, you have kids in your house now and you're obviously not a jerk, Right. So I don't know. Maybe you are. So far, I don't think you're a jerk with that sort of how do you feel? And this is totally I want your perspective, your experience. How is that balanced for you right now? So it's actually pretty easy because I can get away with playing games during work hours right. when I need to. And so when I'm covering something for work, I can just sit at my desk here and have one eye on my laptop for breaking news and stuff. And then the other on my computer screen playing whatever. Um, I also, the kids go to bed at seven 30. And then, so we have a couple hours to do what we want. So I never play games. I mean, unless I'm like on my switch while the kids are playing, I never play games during the weekend days, like during, during days when we don't have childcare, we're always with the kids. We're either watching them in the living room or just like out doing something with them. Occasionally I'll sit there playing a switch game if the kids are like otherwise occupied, but it's very difficult to focus. So Almost the entirety of my gaming time is at night when the kids are in bed or during the workday when the kids are being taken care of. So that's the answer. Actually, it's funny. Uh, my wife, what bothers my wife far more are two things. One is <laughs> one is that I watch uh, NFL football, which which is during the day, <laughs> and that 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 bugs her because she hates it. But two is, and this is unavoidable. The thing that's hardest on her, I would say, is when I have yeah. to travel yeah. for work, and that's when we have to bring in one of our parents, yeah. uh, one of our sets of parents, to come and help out, and that's when she gets a little resentful of like, oh man, you get to hotel. stay in a hotel for five days without your kids. <laughs> Right. But I mean, that's that's part of my job. Like I can't really can't really be avoided. I try to limit it as much as I can, but I have to do reporting trips every so often. But yeah, as far as the day to day game stuff, no, that that I I've managed to balance. And I'm very lucky because my people always ask me, like, how can I as a parent find time to play games while also like raising small children? And I'm like, well, you got to get a job where they let you play games games. during work hours. (laughs) That's that's the answer. And so I do feel bad that I can't give people like a really good answer there. But I will say, like, I think most parents out there, other than like the first yeah. few months of newbornness when there's like no schedules, usually most parents are on a schedule where like the kids are in bed at seven, seven thirty. And so I mean, there can be nights when you choose, like, instead of Sleep. Uh, watching whatever <laughs> Netflix show. Well, not not just that, but also like uh, you. Let's say you have seven. Let's say you go to bed at ten, and the kids are asleep at seven thirty. Right. You can maybe some nights you spend with your partner bonding, watching TV, whatever, and then some other nights you go off on your own yeah. and get some gaming That's, time. In. That is actually everybody's 
first few years are very different with kids in their house. But I do think the way I found balance personally, two ways. One was I, I, my husband loves movies. So he goes out and watches movies like in the garage and then I will play video games, right? Or mm. like right now, and I say right now, but everybody knows for the last like three years, my youngest, his nine, still needs somebody to be in the room right next to their room until they go to sleep. Thanks, COVID. And so I, oh, no. I play in the other uh. room. It's a great time. But be warned, everybody, when we got that switch... And we, I tried to trick children into thinking that watching me play was fun. That equates to children constantly telling me what to do in the game. And I'm like, this is not relaxing. <laughs> this is, stop it. <laughs> go okay, up that what mountain. I, what I want to know, <laughs> know is at what age do the kids have to be before you, you have a little bit more free time, like on um, weekends and stuff, before the weekends are back to 32. yours? 32. No. <laughs> okay, that's the no, that's, that's so answer I was looking for. 13. And nine. And, you know, they're, they both are wired uniquely with different needs. But I will say that video gaming on the Switch was something that kind of gave me a chance to just sit. Like, I am happy to sit next to Ellis and watch them play. And I am happy to have Ellis. I, I actually have a hugely high tolerance for, like, being told what to do in a video game because it means I'm not doing something that I really don't have the bandwidth for, right? And then later I know I can go and do what I would like to do in the game. And I think probably the hardest was once they were both like in elementary school and I wanted to play, like even now with my newest game, my husband works at home and I have to be like, you know, okay, I'd like you to go work in the other room because I just want to play video games and not feel bad about it. Right? And he's like, <laughs> you want to play as many games as well, you want. That's why you have to play in handheld <laughs> that's mode. That's right. On the that's right. So, all right. It was kind of my last question that it, because you, you touched on this at the beginning when we were talking about language. Like, when you, do you like uh -huh. TV? Right. You, this broad base. So, we have a game that we have played in the past called Is It Cake? Right? Like, is a brownie cake and like i would say no it is not a cake because it doesn't have the icing it's not like that whatever is a muffin a cake no it's not a cake some people think it's a cake is it a video game is it not a video game this is your opportunity to be totally snobby right now <laughs> is there something that people can't or a genre or whatever is there anything like that for you no, not really, because like I don't really think uh, the 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 terminology video game doesn't mean much right. to me. That's the thing. I don't I don't put a lot of like it doesn't I don't have it doesn't have a lot of weight for me. You've just spent your so, entire professional career dissecting it, so I don't understand why, Jason. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm I'm more interested in the business behind sure. it and the culture behind it than I am in like trying to gatekeep who what's a game and what's not. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there yeah. who will be like, "Oh, mobile games, Candy Crush is not a real game," but I think that's kind of nonsensical. I think everything is if if you can play it, it's it's a game. If it's if it's a digital experience, it's there a game that doesn't. I don't really see the need to be snobby about that Did you see how quickly sort of I tried to turn this show into something combative? Did everybody see that? <laughs> look how quickly I did it. Look how easy, look what video games have done to me, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, I very much appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this because I do think video games, for whatever reason, are sort of an experience that very and very easily done. I say this because I myself have done and continue to do this. Video game as part of screen time for kids is really something that's very easy to be like, they're just doing that. And I'm walking away and I'm having my coffee. Uh -huh. I'm having like what a, it is so easy to do it. And I really appreciated your take on it being less about the game and being more mindful about the community and and not less about I mean everybody you know your kids right like you know what they what's going to trigger some stuff and what might not <laughs> it's like when we watched Bugs Bunny with Ellis and Raiden I would have to say okay this is Bugs Bunny remember 
don't hit anybody with the frying pan or shoot them in the face. Like, like from the very beginning. It's very funny and enjoyable as a form of entertainment. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think if you are out there, if you're a parent of a kid and you're trying to think like, okay, how do I limit their screen time? How, what, what's the best approach for this? I think one healthy way to think about it might be dividing in your brain online games versus mm. offline games and letting your kids have kind of different amounts of time or different kind of guidelines when you turn off the Wi-Fi and the console and you let them play stuff offline versus stuff online because the stuff that's online can be a lot more addictive, a lot more absorbing, a lot easier to just kind of like stay up until 5 a.m. playing with your friends versus the stuff that's offline, which can be isn't necessarily less addictive, but it can be more contemplative. It can be more easier to pause the game and do something else, easier to turn it off, easier to play in chunks. And so I think thinking of it that way can be really helpful. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. Everybody, not only should you go out and check out his books, if you're interested in learning more about how those games are made, they put a lot more hours in than you have playing it. (laughs) Everybody knows where to get books, but we'll still link you up to where you can easily get a copy of Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, as well as Press Reset. And you can hear Jason on Maximum Fun's Triple Click, which is delightful. Do you want to throw anything out there about Triple Click before I sign us off? Yeah. Uh, well, so triple click, I think one, I think there, there would be a nice intersection between triple click and one bad mother, because I think that what we try to do a triple click is we try to do a podcast that's like for adults who play games and it's not for gamers. It's, which I think is an important distinction. Like we make our podcast for people who enjoy games and sometimes for people, some of our audience plays games all the time. That's all they think about, which is totally fine, but they're still adults as opposed to gamers and also like kids i'm sure listen to our show too but it's it's more like i don't know what's the best way to put it more sophisticated thinkers than kind of your we're not we're not out here talking about like video game console wars yeah. xbox versus playstation <laughs> or like a lot of other stuff that you might you might see out there so yeah check it out it's a fun show we have we have a lot of fun I, I will say i love the idea of kids listening because i have found my ticket to being the coolest parent ever in the history uh-huh. of the world is walking onto that playground like three years ago or four before the pandemic and hearing somebody talk about Zelda and me being like, oh, what do you need to know? And then being like, you play? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, honey, I do play. I got the motorcycle. Yeah, and they're like, what? There's a motorcycle? And then you're like, uh-huh. And this is, and, uh-huh. and also being able to go to kids and be like, how did you get through this one trial? I can't, that one trial was so hard for me. My child could do it. And like, my child can kill the Lionels in like less than a minute. Nice. I die very quickly <laughs> while well, I can take down any other beast, right? So anyway, it's, it's, if you want to be cool, you can listen to Triple Click and pretend that you're cool. Use their information. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much. I hope you recover. Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks for yeah, having me. Yeah, absolutely. Elephants right-handed? What's the middlest size in the universe? What is the history of fan fiction? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive blah, 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 blah. Mm, Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say f***. <laughs> Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. 
Genius fail time. Genius me. Me. Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. I saw what you did. Oh my god. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my god. That's fucking genius. Okay. I went away. I did a little self-care. We were all supposed to go to the beach for two days, like my folks and my sister and me, just as a nice trip. And then the weather here in California made it so that wouldn't be that nice a trip. But my mom and dad said they still wanted me to have two nights in a hotel because that would have been a break for me. So they got me a room at the hotel my sister stays in when they come. And I said, yes. And I did it. I brought my puzzle caddy with me so I could work on a puzzle in the hotel. And I brought a candle that I like. So I I said yes to that self-care. And it was a good choice. Hey, Vince. I have a genius. And I'm so (laughs) excited about it. And no one cares. But I am wrapping up all of our old Christmas books in recycled wrapping paper. I'm trying to save the earth. I'm trying to save myself some time next December. We have a tradition where I let the kids choose a book every night and we unwrap the book and read it. And it's a lot for me. And I I started late this year because I couldn't get my shit together to wrap the books, but I'm doing it now and they're going to be ready next year. Or this coming year, this December. (laughs) And I'm just so excited about it. And I know that we are probably going to be moving this summer, and this might turn into a fail because I won't be able to find them. But for now, it's a genius. So I just wanted to call and tell someone who who might give a shit. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. All right. Everyone, you're doing a good job. Bye-bye. Okay, not only is this a genius and you're doing a good job, it is such a great thing that you're doing that you should just take off the rest of the day. Like 100% you should be done. Okay, first of all, that is a really nice tradition. I, that is a nice tradition. It falls into that like uh, borderline genius fail traditions that, I know my family has where you're like, this is a great idea. And then two years later, you're like, why is this a tradition? This is so much work. Does anybody care? But it doesn't matter because right now they care. And right now you are thinking ahead. That is next year. It's going to be so easy. And you're going to remember how easy it was. And you're going to be like, I'm so great. I hope you realize that you did this. When December rolls around later this year and that you had totally forgotten you'd done it so that when you find them, you're like, oh, my God, I am the best. And I hope you do that on a day where you need to remember that you are the best because you are doing a great job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, me. Not a problem two things on my very important self-care getaway I forgot to pack like all my skincare stuff you know lotion hairbrush stuff you know I didn't realize it until after I got out of the shower and was like everything's so dry my (laughs) my face my beautiful face so that was so I knew I was gonna have to go home to get them because I'm just staying in a hotel in like a couple of miles away from my house. And then because Ellis, who had been so understanding of my need for this two-day trip, I mean, just in an epically, amazingly empathetic way, the day I left, kind of forgot all that great empathy and was like, like, don't leave. (laughs) I was like, I have to leave. And so my backup fail is that I visited Ellis on my time away. I came home. <laughs> and visited. Some really good self guests. I was like, Stefan, what was my fail? He was like, you came home on your time away? And I was like, yeah, that's it. You put your finger on it. Oh, well, baby steps. 
Hello, OVPs. This is a fail. So I have a seven and a half month old fail. No, that's not it. Um, <laughs> so I have a seven and a half month old, and that is relevant to this story. So I'm at school, I'm teaching, and I all of a sudden have to start playing the game, what is that smell? Mm. And it's not my student. I teach middle school, but it's not my uh-uh. students. So I'm like, this is not, this is not a good smell. And I'm wearing, <laughs> you know where this is going. I'm wearing my oh, yeah. favorite sweater. And uh, I discover that that smell is me, or specifically oh, yeah. my sweater. And I realize it's got, oh, it's got spit up on it. And it's like, luckily it's in a part where you like can't see it, but you can smell it. That's not the sale. The sale is, Biz, yeah. I don't remember the last time my seven-and-a-half-month-old spit up. I don't know. He's been yeah. a really good eater lately. So not only – so the fail is not only is there spit up on my favorite sweater, yeah, but I haven't washed this sweater in enough time yeah. that I don't know how long this spit up has been here. Guys, we're talking, like, before yeah. Christmas at least. It's January. I don't yeah. I don't remember the last time my child spit up. I really don't. It's kind of nice that I don't remember until I find some spit up. So um I am failing at laundry clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. I don't know. I don't know how this happens. But uh hopefully you're all doing a good job and I hope your day smells better than mine. I suck. Oh. Bye. <laughs> you do suck. You're the worst. Everybody can smell you. <laughs> What's hidden in all this is that your baby is seven and a half months old, which means for people who are not currently experiencing super brain, what we lovingly call mommy brain here, because I hate the fucking term, mommy brain, super brain. If you're not experiencing super brain, you might think, I can remember something that's happened in the last seven and a half months. I mean, it's not that long. It's seven and a half months right? It's like what you did last summer or something, right? So there's this beauty in the fact that it could have been as long ago as like seven months, which is like, in a grand scheme of things, a rememberable time. And so not only is there the fail of not having washed your clothes, the fail of not having known you smelled, there's also this weird fail of no longer having the sort of brain capacity for remembering how time and space work. So that is a children's book that I clearly need to write. Also, the smell. You live in your house, you don't smell it, right? I am, I have walked out of my house and I don't even put things in my closet anymore because that's where the cat boxes are. And I have gone out and been like, <gasps> I smell like cat pee, but I don't know it until I am out in a public place surrounded by people who don't live in my house. <laughs> not, there, there really is nothing worse. I Well, no, there's lots of things worse. There really is something very unique about the experience of being out in public smelling something, having to go through all the steps one goes through to identify what the smell is and where it is coming from, only to discover it's you. That's an unhappy place that I have been and still sometimes find myself in. Yep, you're doing a horrible job, sort of, I don't know, let's just for fun say kind of like at being a self overall, right? Oh well, there's always next week. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. All right, everybody. It's time to listen. Oh boy. It is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, Biz. This is a really defeated rant. 
I have a three-month-old and a few months away from two-year-old, I don't know, two little kids under two, and it's raining for so long. My partner goes shift work, so for seven days, they're at work the whole time, all day, all night. Um, you know, and I thought it would be nice because my toddler's not eating anything, and it's been raining, and I don't know what to do to get these two little kids out of the house to have the baby nap in the car seat and go to some silly chain restaurant where nobody's going to care if they're freaking out to see if my toddler will eat some cheesy soup in a bread bowl, right? That's exciting. A bread bowl. And so, of course, you have to pick up your food at the counter. And I wanted a cup of coffee, but they just give me a cup. Like, here you go. Fill it up. So I've got the toddler on my hip and the baby in the stroller napping. And how am I supposed to fill up a cup of coffee? I can't fill up a cup of coffee. I try to fill up the coffee, and it's spilling on my hand and scalding my hand, and I'm trying not to swear while I'm holding my toddler. And and then, you know, I just left it. It's like, forget the coffee. You know, there's there's high chairs, but they're only in the corner. And how do I grab the high chair with the stroller and Maybe I only have one hand, and I can't walk away from either of your kids. No one tells you that you can't just walk away, even a couple of steps. And there's people everywhere, like little old ladies out on lunch dates and, you know, other families and tons of single people working on the laptops. And just nobody helped me. Everybody looked at me, but nobody would help me. And then I'm supposed to somehow balance the hot soup in the same hand as I'm holding my toddler while walking to the table. And I I did it somehow without her sticking her hand in the hot soup and without spilling it all over me like I did with the coffee, you know. And uh, I just don't understand how many people I walked by who just stared and nobody cared. Nobody could just, like, help me get set up or get a cup of coffee or a high chair or sit down at the table. And, you know, I haven't slept more than a couple hours in months. I'm just so tired. It's so lonely. And there's the timer. Time to put baby down for a nap. So thanks. You're doing a great job. Bye. You're doing such a good job. At something that is inconceivably hard. I say inconceivably because we are still fighting the narrative that it is supposed to be easy. I remember how much I hated feeling like I shouldn't even leave my house because I knew it would be hard And I knew it felt like people, if they saw me struggling, essentially were like, well, then don't go out. If you can't handle it, you shouldn't do it, right? And that, the word that you kept saying over and over again that really, (laughs) really triggers stuff for me is help. I just, help, help me, help me. I need help. I am surprised you did not just stand in the middle of that Panera, I know where you are, and scream at the top of your lungs, help me, somebody just help. God damn it, right? Like, I, I mean, if you've been listening for a long time, you will remember, like, I had that moment at the Whole Foods with, oh, there's nothing more... (laughs) More obnoxiously white sounding than my emotional breakdown at a Whole Foods with my baby. But like I had gone out because I needed to be out of the house and like Ellis wouldn't stop screaming and my boobs hurt. And like I was, I literally was walking through Whole Foods crying and no one offered to help. I had to find a changing room at Whole Foods. Who knew they had changing rooms? But they do because I guess you're trying on 
comfortable clothes at Whole Foods that are made of hemp. And I just sat there and cried. I just cried and Ellis was crying. And like a trip to the store became a two-hour emotionally scarring forever ordeal. So I see you. That situation does make you feel helpless. And that situation can make you feel really alone. And it sounds like you're in a partnership in which your partner has a really difficult work schedule. That is hard. And we have talked on the show multiple times that you can be surrounded by people and still feel really isolated when a kid gets into your house. And I will say, especially when they are really that young, because it is like having eight cats attached to you and they're all scratching and they're all yelling and they're all pulling and you're trying to walk through the world like yourself or something like, yes, this is reasonable for me to come and get soup and coffee, right? And they're like, there's just chaos all around you and you haven't slept, you're not getting good sleep and I, I, oh, I, I see you, I see you and I really appreciate You sharing that you deserve fucking coffee. You deserve a soupy bread bowl. Fuck it. Just get the bread bowl without the soup in it. Put it on your toddler's head like a hat. They can just pick at it, right? Like this is survival mode right now, my friend. Whatever helps you should be your priority. Wow. Did you like that super shitty one bed mother advice that I'm not supposed to give? Um, Sorry. I'm just like circling back. I'm like circling back to the beginning with my mom and like the hospice and like everybody else's needs. I don't need, I can feel pain. I'll just pour hot coffee on my hand. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay for any of us. We got to stop it. (laughs) We got to stop it. And one way to help stop it is by helping each other. Okay. Look for this parent when you are out in the world. Look for her, okay? Get her coffee. Get her at airports, at restaurants, at grocery stores. It is. It takes two seconds to say, I can see you have uh, kids. So can I go run to the store, like at an airport? Can I go run and get you a water? Do you need anything from like the, the bookstore, the little mart that's here? Because you don't want to go drag your children into it because that is a whole production. Can I put your grocery cart away? Da-da-da-da. You're doing a good job. (laughs) You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You are not alone. And I see how hard this is. Everybody, this is hard. This is hard. That is if you have got really little kids in your house... You are right there with our mom rant today. If you have older kids in your house, there may be other challenges that make things like that hard. Or you may have just kind of blocked it out like the trauma it is. (laughs) I don't use that lightly. I'm not even kidding. Like, that's hard. It is really hard when you feel completely unseen and alone when you need help. That hurts. Don't dismiss it. Everybody is dealing with something and balancing something and not sleeping or struggling or catching puke in their hand or whatever it is. And that is such a great reminder that when we go out in the world and we see each other, We are all carrying something. And that kindness is such a great place to try and start from. And even if you are so fucking tired, you are not in the mood to be kind or have a conversation or chit-chat, you can at least grab that woman's coffee, okay? And you don't have to say, well, I'm in a horrible mood, but I'm going to carry your coffee to the table, right? That is also okay. You're all doing a great job. You are absolutely not alone. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down my-
mama blues. I got to slow down mama blues. Got to slow down mama blues. Slow down mama blues. Got to slow down mama blues. Got to slow down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mora, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.